Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Black woman. Beautiful. Powerful. Resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So... We created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? My week has been interesting in that, you know, we're preparing for regional conference, aka regional conference is going to be in Houston, Texas in March. And so since I'm in Houston, I'm on several different subcommittee meetings. So um, we've been meeting pretty much all week. <laughs> I've been doing aka stuff. And then the heart health Pink Goes Red Impact Day was February 4th. It's always the first Friday of February. So uh, my chapter, I'm over Women's Healthcare and Wellness Committee. So my chapter hosted a virtual work and search heart health summit. Um, so that's what we did. And it was very well attended. We had um, 176 people in attendance and over 500 viewers on Facebook. So we were really excited about that. Dr. George, uh, and I always pronounce his name wrong. I, I would say George Adesina because I've known him since college. He's, you know, he's frat. I've known him. And then he was like, you know, um, it's actually Ade Shino. I said, oh, Ade Shino. <laughs> he said, yeah, once I got the MD, I started correcting people. I said, I don't blame you, partner. So he was one of our speakers, but it was a really good event. And February is just a really busy month, you know, for pretty much anybody black. We're doing Black History Month stuff, but we're doing Heart Health Month stuff. You're doing sorority and fraternity stuff, or you're either doing something to promote um, diversity in your job. So it's... Um, it's been an interesting kickstart of the month. I feel like I'm with T-Pain. I feel like Black History Month isn't a thing, right? People always complain about how Black History Month is the shortest month. They put us in February. They give us 28 days. But the super woke people have schooled us and told us that Black History Month is in February because it started off as a week and it was placed in February because of Abraham Lincoln's birthday and Frederick Douglass's birthday, both falling in February. So like I get it. But the reason why I say it's not a thing is because we just are black 365 days a year and our history exists 365 days a year. I feel like we're just making it happen. So why not just celebrate being black all year round? Like why wait till February? Yeah, but I feel like I wish they would have given us a longer month. They gave it the shortest month of the year. And then there's so much stuff in it, right? So you got Black History Month. You got Heart Health Month. You got Valentine's that's crammed in there. You got the groundhog that's trying to come out. I mean, 
I'm just saying, it's just like so much stuff sort of overcasting it. I feel like I'm up for the extra celebration in February, but I'd like us not to forget that we make it happen all year round. Just saying. I now realize why the uh, majority is starting to get worried because, you know, I feel like this is the first time, at least in my lifetime, where we've been super celebratory about our ethnicity. It's like, you know, before it was like, yeah, we're black, but we celebrate black history in our month. Now it's like, it's, I mean, and we've talked about this before. It's like real life black people magic. It's not just black girl magic anymore. It's like black people are really making things happen. I mean, seriously, I was watching the Pro Bowl game and they actually sung the black national anthem. I was shocked. What? Yes, girl. That is what I'm saying. I feel like it's just feeling different. I feel like the people are kind of understanding at this point that we're here to stay. We're not going anywhere. But you know what, Janine? I feel like uh, speaking of the Black National Anthem, you know, it's 2022. Let's let's learn all the verses this year, you know, because we don't know all the verses. Let's learn them all. Okay. Every last one of them. I feel like it's a lot. It's a lot. I know it's at least four. I feel like I know most of them. I'm not sure I know all of them, but I feel like I know most of them. I think I know three because my mom is in like a little gospel singing group and they had to sing uh, the Black National Anthem. Um, I think it was sometime at the beginning of January. I think it was for the, like the MOK program. So they had to sing it and she was like walking around singing it and playing it and singing it again. So I was like, man, I didn't realize there were that many verses. So I know a lot of them. I just don't know as many as we should know. We should not be like, sing a song. We should not be doing that. And we are doing that, okay? Mm-mm. You're right, Nicole. That's what we're going to do in 2022. We are going to learn the Black National Anthem the same way that we know the regular National Anthem. We are going to learn the Black National Anthem. We are not going to get to the point of sing a song and then start mumbling. We're going to learn the words. We're going to work together and we are going to learn the words. Look, we everyone needs to know the, at least the first three verses of the Black National Anthem. And if you want to be an A student and you want to excel, go ahead and learn all five verses. But if you don't know the first three verses, at least shame on you. Learn them in 2022. But, you know, I'm really excited because the Super Bowl lineup. Y'all, you got Mary J in there, you got Snoop Dogg in there, and you know, you've been seeing all these TikToks circulating about how people are gonna know that their parents know all the words to gin and juice. Oh yeah, we're gonna be singing it loud too. Loud, loud. I cannot wait. I just wanna see the halftime show. That's it. That's all I wanna see. The teams are pretty obscure this year, but I will admit I will be watching the Super Bowl because I'm always here for a good halftime show. In addition to the commercials, I'm always here for a good halftime show. Speaking of Mary J, tonight, because you know we record on Sundays, Power Book 3 ends and the Book of Tommy, which I believe is called The Force, begins. So we get basically two episodes of Power tonight. Have you watched it already, Nicole, or are you waiting like me? Oh my God, I'm so excited. I've been talking about it all day. And I told myself, nope, I'm not going to distract myself. I got too much to go to do today. I got to record this podcast. I got this these memes over here. I got this AKA practice over here. I am going to treat myself. I'm going to refill this cup over here with not a glass of juice, but a glass of wine. And I am going to sit back and watch it. Okay, I'm going to watch that. I'm hoping... Now, this is just a season finale, right? So we get another season, right? Yeah, I think so. I hope so. 
I hope so too. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. I want there to be a Tasha spinoff. Like Tommy is good, uh, uh-uh, but like you know, I want I want to see more Tasha. You know, I'm Team Tasha. And I'm still mm-hmm. waiting for, for Ghost to come back from the dead, right? I, I feel like he's gonna come. He knows way too much in Power Book Two. Like he's 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 getting he's getting messages delivered from the grave through his attorney. Like, come on now. He coming back. You think? I don't think he's coming back. I really don't think he's coming back. I am interested in the theory that Dante, Zeke's real dad and Mary J. Blige's side piece, is really Ghost's brother. Like, have you seen that floating around? I think I can go for that theory. I'm not sure about Ghost coming back, but I'm almost sure that, and by almost sure, I mean, like, who can ever read the minds of the the writers of power? But I feel like that storyline makes a lot more sense to me. I don't know, but if that's Ghost's brother, listen, uh, you know, my Dante, listen, he, he's super fine. I ain't gonna lie. Listen, he is giving all kind of fine, just like Ghost would give it all kind of fine. I mean- Y'all can't tell me y'all don't drool about these men at night in your bed. You got the drool dripping down onto your pillow thinking about these men, thinking about them because they look that good. They do. That's why I think they're brothers. And I'm here for them being brothers. I guess we're probably spoiling it for some people. So we should probably say spoiler alert. But like, how about the fact that Zeke is 23 and not 19? Not for nothing, but they're really doing that boy a disservice because like, how is this our academic level at 23? How, how did that happen? Listen, we could talk about this for hours. We do need to do an episode on when your kids act out of line because of Diana, but we ain't going to go there today. Oh, yeah. Ken is ready for her to go. Oh, yeah. Every time she comes on the screen, he's like, she's not dead yet. They haven't killed her off yet. Like, she she's a piece of work on this, this show. I will tell you that she's a piece of work. I feel like she's the girl to watch, though, because, I mean, look at Tariq. Remember, we didn't like Tariq either. I still don't like Tariq. I still don't like him. See, I feel for him. I didn't like him at first, but this power book, this like saga has really given him some humanity. Like it's made me be like sympathetic to him. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm seeing how the way that he was raised kind of just made him the way that he is. And it's really not his fault. It's kind of his parents fault. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's me. But like, I feel for Tariq now. I don't dislike him anymore. So I'm hoping that the same thing will happen with Diana. But yeah, I don't know. All right, Janine. So switching gears, what's on your timeline this week? So Kiara Sheard Kelly is on our timeline this week. Now, for those who don't know who Kiara Sheard Kelly is, shame on you. I'm just playing. So Kiara is the granddaughter of gospel legend, Dr. Maddie Moss Clark, who is or was the longest serving international minister of music for the Church of God in Christ. She is the daughter of the current presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ and Grammy Award winning gospel singer Karen Clark Sheard who is also the youngest member of the legendary Clark sisters. But Kiara, better known as Kiki Sheard Kelly, is an amazing gospel singer in her own right. She's also a fashion designer, an entrepreneur, an actress, an author. Like, I mean, literally she does it all. But her most important role to date is probably the role of wife. So why is she on our timeline, you ask? Well, recently she did an interview with Tashara Jones for page six. And it seems like the internet did what the internet does and people took something that she said and ran with it. So we're going to chat about it for a second. 
So in this interview, Tashara says, Kiara, I know you're really close to your mom. You know, she then goes on to say that my mom told me, this is Tashara speaking. She said, even though I'm not married yet, she said, once you're married, don't let another woman into your home. Tashar gave some examples of times where we've seen it happen time and time again, like in reality TV shows with celebrity couples and other, you know, television shows that might not necessarily be reality. And, you know, basically in those examples, the friend takes a, a really close liking to her friend's man and the friend gets a bit too close to the husband and voila, now some infidelity is taking place. So Tashara says to Kiara, I know that you have really close friends and you're mindful of that. Did your mother warn you about that as well? Kiara replies, absolutely. She says her mother says, don't have too many people around your husband and says, I don't care how comfortable you get or how much you trust them. Don't have them around your husband. She says she's very mindful and careful. She says that she will buy a friend a hotel room before she lets them stay in her house. But she also says that she's a very prayerful woman to discern the space that she and the person are in at the moment. And she's very cautious about what purpose she's supposed to serve in a person's life. She says that aside from her mom, she asks God to direct her to see if she's supposed to let someone enter her home. She said that as believers, we believe that we are blessed so that we can share what we have been blessed with with others. And she said that she's open for sharing, but she's not sharing her man. And since she's not sharing her man, she has to be cautious of everything else that she shares. And she said this also speaks to making sure you have good friends, making sure that you have wise friends, which, you know, I agree. Now, when I heard this, having been raised in a Kojic household with a Kojic uncle as a pastor and a Kojic grandfather as a pastor and a grandmother and a mother who were evangelists and mothers of the church, this seems to be common conversation to me. Again, that's just me. Now, you and I have talked about this before, Nicole, in, I believe, our episode of Black Girl Code. But I was always told, never trust your friends around your man. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't trust your friends, and it doesn't mean that you don't trust your man. But what it means is, don't put either one of them in a situation where it might be tempting and, you know, things happen. Because guess what? We're all human. So I didn't think anything of this. But when the internet got a hold of it, the headline started reading, Kiara prefers her friends to stay in a hotel to avoid creeping with her husband. And Kiara sends guests to hotel to keep them away from her husband. And Kiara says when her girlfriends come to visit, she makes them stay in a hotel to keep them away from her husband. Then they started asking really uncomfortable questions like, is she insecure? Are her friends not trustworthy? None of that is what she said, nor do I think it's what she meant. It looks to me like She's a mature, prayerful, married woman who is not leaving any room for slip ups. And she's doing what she needs to do, operative word, what she needs to do to protect her household. Now, Kiara has made a post responding to some of the backlash that y'all have been giving her on this internet. And she says, nowadays, healthy boundaries seem like insecurities and distrust to some. She goes on to say that she's blessed to have a husband and family and friends that she trusts and they're welcome in her home. But she also says that she will remain prayerful 
and strategic in everything that she does. She encourages others to protect their homes, their husbands, their children, their careers, and more because it will help you avoid the mistakes and trauma that come along with the extra drama associated with those things. So she said, we need to grow in relational intelligence. And I like that because that's a real thing. We really do need to grow in relational intelligence. Now, Nicole, you know, I'm with her in everything that she said, because one, I'm a fan. And two, I've worked with her before. And over the span of probably about 20 years, and she's always been consistent, not perfect because no one is perfect, but she does what is wise and is right. And that's a thing. She's not telling you what to do. She's just saying what works for her. So my question to you, Nicole, is do you think that what she said was coming from a place of insecurity, like the Internet is saying, or a place of spiritual and emotional and relational maturity? Or is it something altogether different? What do you think, Nicole? So I think she said what she said, and I'm glad that she said it the way that she said it, because for me, I would have been like, uh, I said what I said, but she said it very, very cleverly. And I agree, like we do need to become more mature in our relationships. And as you get older, your friends become more established and they understand that. And to me, it's a difference of, oh, you're coming in town for an event. And I'm going to crash at your house for a day or two. Like, oh, I'm coming in town from Friday to Sunday. I'm going to crash at your house and me and my husband are coming. Well, if you and your husband are coming, yeah, you guys are my guests. You have your significant other. I'm here with my significant other. Then that's fine. But if your single friend is coming and she's trying to party and she's going to be coming back in your house drunk, you're not going out with her. She's just in town. That, that's somebody you may say you know, maybe they should get a hotel room. And honestly, if I were that single friend coming in town, I would get a hotel room. You know, like I would want to be comfortable anyway. I don't want to wake up your kids. I don't want anybody saying anything about me drinking. You're not going out anyway. What I look like getting dressed and then going out to an event when you're not there. I mean, so for me, that's just common sense. Now, if we're talking about staying long-term, that's when my mama gets involved in terms of like two women can't be in a house. Like, Two women cannot be in the house for for longer than a couple of days because then you're going to have conflict that arises. And with that, I do I do agree with her. You have to use discernment to say, okay, is this person someone that really needs the help, and is this person someone you can trust? Now, I, I totally agree with her mom because her mom is like, my mom don't have no woman in your house staying with you around your husband. No one. Okay. And so for the most part, I do agree with that philosophy. There are some exceptions to the rule. Okay. And some of those exceptions are a little bit extreme. So if you have those exceptions to the rule, then I think that some clear boundaries need to be set. If you're going to allow people to stay in your house and if you don't trust them, like if you like, I don't, and it's not even about trusting your husband. It's about trusting your friend. Okay. And people get drunk. They stand at your house, they're alone. They may get feel lonely. They may, you know, you might get in a little argument. All of a sudden they're talking to your husband about you. If you say something to your husband, then all of a sudden they, you know, trying to, oh, I can't believe she talked to you like that. Don't do that. You know, like boundaries have got to be set. If you think that that's the type of friend that is, she's going to have something to say. If you say something in front of her, if she's not going to follow the rules, like she's going to be walking around her pajamas, mm-mm. 
she can't stay. And and I would say there needs to be very rare exceptions to the rule in allowing people to stay. Like these are people that you would trust your life with and you think would reciprocate the same treatment to you. Okay. Not somebody that would not reciprocate that same treatment. Now, if this is a friend that's selfish and you know they are, then they shouldn't be at your house. Okay. You can't trust them. If you worried about what they're going to be doing, even if you're not, even if you're single, if you're worried about what they're doing in your house, when you're not there, do not have them in your house, period. I agree. I think one of the most important things that you said, though, was if you were the single friend, you wouldn't do that, right? Like you would just go get a hotel. Like, I think that it's really important for us to understand that just because we set boundaries that work for us and our family doesn't mean that it's bad for anyone else. Like you are allowed to say yes or no for your home, right? Doesn't mean that you're selfish. Doesn't mean that you don't want to help. But does but you you know you're not always in a position to help, right? People don't know just because it seems like you have the ability to help people, right? They don't know what's going on in your household. And I think that it's important that we remember specifically with Kiara is she's only been married for a year. Not for nothing, but I don't think a year into marriage is the time where you start having inviting your girlfriends over, right? Like, let's be honest. Marriage is difficult. It is difficult. On any given day, you wake up and you might look at your husband or wife or spouse and not really be interested. It That's a real thing. Like, every day you don't wake up and say, oh, my God, like, it's rainbows and butterflies. And I just am so in love with you. That's not real life. That's only in the movies. So a year in, you're still trying to figure things out, trying to figure out who you are, who you are in the relationship and who you are as a couple and how you would like to present yourself to the world. That's all still happening. And you are still figuring out way too much in the first year, two years, three years, even to invite something that's, I don't want to say out of the ordinary, but to invite something else that could potentially be harmful to your relationship in. So I'm with her. Stick with the words that our mamas all told us. We all got Kojic mamas. Me, you, and Kiara, we all got the same Kojic upbringing from our mamas. And they all said, keep somebody else out your house. So guess what? All three of us are still married, aren't we? Clearly, the advice is working. Just saying. Yeah, that first year, though, I mean, literally, honestly, you shouldn't be doing nothing that first year. Like, don't bring any added stress. That first year, you, you know, you looking around like, man, did I really do this? I signed up for this. Like my mother-in-law told me, she said, if you guys can make it eight years, you'll make it, period. You'll make it. You Eight years, you'll make it. It'll feel better at year eight. Listen, we at year six, okay? And I'm like, oh, we gonna make it to year eight? <laughs> so uh, yeah, don't, don't invite stress to your house. Amen. All right, Janine. Um, so our listeners have some very interesting letters. Uh, let's go ahead and talk through some of those. Why don't we? Let's do it. All right. This first letter reads, Nicole and Janine, I have a friend who recently filed for a divorce because her husband cheated on her. She and her husband were in the process of buying a home, but decided to pull out after the infidelity came out in the relationship. Now their lease is going to be up. She only works part time, so she can't afford her own place. She is asked to stay at my house for a few months until she finds a full time job so that she can afford her own place. She has no kids. 
is an only child and her parents died when she was younger. This is one of my best friends. I've known her since college. My husband is cool with it, but another one of my friends told me not to allow her to move in. My mother, of course, echoes those same sentiments. Ladies, what should I do? I've always been told not to let another woman move in, but I feel like this situation is the exception. Sign, Monique. Monique, you gave us all the reasons why you don't want her to move in. And I'm going to say this. This is why. You said you gave us the scenario, right? Like you told us that your friend, she had a divorce, is in the process of a divorce and she needs a place to stay. Like those are only details that we really needed, right? To make some sort of like assessment, right? We only need to know that she's single. She had a divorce because of infidelity and she needs a place to stay for a little while. You added the details of in addition to her recently being divorced, that she's single, which is fine. That's important. You also added the detail of she has no children. You also added the detail of she is a only child and a detail that her parents passed away when she was young. I feel like you added all of those details, which none of those details are really important to this story. I don't feel like I don't feel like it would really change my opinion one way or the other. But generally, and being an only child, technically being an only child, I'd like to stray away from the stereotype that we are selfish. But the reality of it is the stereotypes come from a place, right? That most people who are only children are selfish, right? No. Why are you saying that? Why are you making that face? I didn't say anything, but I was trying to figure out where the selfish came from. Because she's an only child. That's what she said. She's an only child. What does that have to do with her being selfish? It's a stereotype of only children that they're selfish. Okay, go ahead and finish your thoughts. So so that's the stereotype, right? You're saying she doesn't have kids. So you're telling us that she doesn't, not that she's not nurturing, but you're giving us all of the indications leading us into this idea that she's probably only considering herself and her own feelings and her own needs, right? You're leading us into that. That's what these details gave me, that she doesn't have any kids. She's selfish. And you're saying that her parents kind of, you said that they passed away when she was young. So in my mind, it's this person is pretty much out for themselves, looking out for themselves. They're used to looking out for themselves. They're used to not having siblings to bounce things off of or have to consider. And they don't have any kids that they have to take care of. Hope she has a pet or something. But all of the details that you're giving us are kind of insinuating that this person is kind of self-centered, right? I feel like you don't want her to move in. That's just me. I feel like with all the details that you've given us, you're saying that these are the things that you're concerned about in a roundabout way, in a very nice diplomatic way. And now you're telling us, hey, these are the details so that we can then give you back the same answer that your mama gave you and your intuition is giving you. Don't let her move into your house, girl. Help her to get situated if you can financially, but don't move her in the house with your husband. Don't do that. We, I don't know what Nicole's going to say, but I agree with your mama and your intuition because all of the indications that you've given us is that you don't want this to happen. What do you think, Nicole? I, I mean, I just read that completely different. But, you know, people, you know, people that are only kids tend to be defensive. So you read that I'm not an only child. I'm an older I'm an older sister. So for me, I am always trying to look out for other people. So reading this. I felt like she was giving us this background to show us, hey, look, she has no kids. So it's not like she's bringing baggage with her. It's not like they're going to take up extra space. It's just her. She's the only child and her parents died when she was younger. 
hey, she don't have anybody else to go to is what I get from this. She doesn't have anybody else to go to. She's not bringing any extra baggage. It's just her. That is why I think that that detail was there. Not to show that she was selfish because this doesn't say anything selfish, right? She said, she is one of my best friends. I've known her since college. My husband is cool with it. I'm cool with it. But one of my other friends mentioned, hey, we shouldn't let her uh, move in. So that's why I think that those details are there. I mean, because my thing is, if she were single with two kids coming in your house and you didn't have any kids, well, okay, that would be a different conversation, right? Because you may not have the space to house three people and putting three people in one room would be a big deal, but it's just her. So we can't make an excuse of, hey, we don't have anybody put it. Because even if it's just her, I mean, you can stay in the basement. You can stay somewhere. So basically, I get that she it doesn't come with any baggage. And hey, she's one of my best friends. She don't have anywhere else to go. I'm going to help her out. But my other people saying I shouldn't. I would say this, okay? couple things. If, if you're in a situation where you're bringing up these details because she's selfish. So, Johnny, we're going to have to agree to disagree. Because I don't think because somebody doesn't have kids and they're an only child and they have no parents alive. I don't mean, I don't think of that as being selfish. It, it is what it is. Some people don't want to have kids. Johnny, you don't want to have kids. Some people are are only kids. That doesn't mean you're selfish though. If you fell on hard times and you were only working part-time because your husband was taking care of all the bills and now you have to pivot because, hey, I, I might get that. I might get something in divorce settlement, but we don't even own a house. So I know I'm not going to get a house and the divorce is not finished, but I'm not going to wait to move on. I got to I got to do what I need to do. And so I would say this is one of the situations that to me would be the exception to the rule. And I say that it would be the exception to the rule because if she really has no other family to lean on and she considers you to be family, then if you want to be a friend and help, you got one or two things ways to do it. You can either let her move in, set clear boundaries, hey, what jobs are you looking at? What's the timeline? And what if you don't find a job in this amount of time? What are you going to do? Okay, because you got to put some clear set boundaries there if you're helping somebody, especially with her trying to find a job in a pandemic. I don't know what her situation is. You didn't tell us what she did for a living. You tell us what kind of degree she had. I don't know how employable she is, especially if she's been working part time because her husband has been the breadwinner. Now, it may be that she's going to come into a pretty big settlement. She may be getting spousal support if her husband was the breadwinner and uh, she was only working part-time. That's probably the situation, but we don't really know what he did either. Okay. So regardless, you have to set some boundaries if you're going to help her and say, yes, you can move in, but these are the house rules. Okay. Like, I don't want you coming in, waking us up at two o'clock in the morning. You got to contribute something to a bill or two. Okay. You working part-time, this is what you're going to be responsible for. After X, Y, and Z amount of, however amount of months, two months, if you have, if you have not found a job, we need a clear plan of what you're going to do. Like we need a plan of what you're going to do. So you can either do that or you can say, you know, at this situation, me and my husband, we're not, we're not going to agree eye to eye with this or we got situations that we got to handle in our own household. We don't want to bring you into our chaos. And I can help you financially out putting a down payment on the house. And that way that gives you a month to find a job and get some extra income. Girl, I'll spot you this cash. You can even give it to her. I'll let you have this. You know, I'll pay your deposit and your first month's rent. You can save what you make part-time so that I can at least pay your next month's rent. And that gives you your two months that you need to have to get a full-time job, to get on your feet and get a full-time job. But I can't let you move in. You can do that. So 
to me, if you're going, if you want to be helpful, then one of those two options you would need to do. Now, you don't have to be helpful. If you're not in a situation where you can financially help somebody and you and your husband's uh, marriage is not at 100%, like if you're beefing in your marriage, there's something going on, y'all not seeing eye to eye, y'all being snapping, you got to work through some stuff. Don't bring somebody else in there in the midst of your chaos. Don't move somebody else in there. You, you got to say no at that point, okay? Even if your husband's like, yeah, that's fine. Listen, if y'all ain't having sex, if y'all ain't on the same page, don't bring nobody in your house. You say, girl, we, listen, me and my husband, we are also, we're, we're a work in progress. So I want to help you, girl, but maybe we can ask such and such over here if they can let you crash because me and my husband aren't on a good footing right now. Do not, if you got chaos or even questionable chaos, don't let somebody else move in your house. But if you're not financially able to help front rent, an apartment. You don't have to feel obligated to do that. I mean, you can pull resources with other friends in your friend group if uh, if that's the case. You might can put, put we call it a pot. <laughs> in sorority, we call it a pot. Take up a pot, okay? Take up a pot from friends and pull resources there. Ask her if she has any retirement. She's working part-time and she has a retirement. This may be a reason that she needs to come out, uh, take out a retirement early. Sometimes you have to do that when you have transition in life. Now, I don't know that situation for her because she's only working part-time, but maybe help her brainstorm, hey, I can help you front this amount. I've asked another group of friends if they can help, but let's talk about what, what we have in, in retirement and, you know, what we have in savings, like how can we tap into those other resources that we may not think of, think of right off the top of our head um, as she goes through this transition? Just my two cents. Yeah, I don't think I want to see the friends homeless, but my feeling from the letter is that Monique was, and like you said, we saw it completely different ways. I felt like Monique was giving us reasons why she wanted us to say no, because I feel like her intuition is telling her this is probably not a good idea. And that's why she was giving us all those details. I am now very interested to, Monique, please write us back to see what you do, because it's very interesting that you saw it completely different than I did. But as a single child, like as an only child, I know that my first thought is usually me, right? I've worked very hard not to be a selfish person, but I, in my mind, the first thing I think of is, oh, how does this affect me? Not always cognizant of how it affects other people. That's, that was my only thing. So what does your letter read? Okay, so my letter is actually from someone who's written us before that we've actually read. So this one says, hi, ladies, it's Myla again. And it says, first, thank you for reading my letter on your friends with tendencies episode. I just wanted to write in to give you an update. So, Nicole, if you don't remember, Myla and her husband had a friend, Brandon and Crystal, who Brandon and Myla's husband were friends and Crystal and Milo were friends. They met each other through Brendan and Crystal. And remember, Crystal admitted to her husband that she was having an affair and Milo's husband was covering up for her. Remember? Yeah. Okay. So, and Milo was the one that moved into her guest room and you were like, girl, you shouldn't move into your guest room. It's him. Like he's covering up something, right? Okay. Got it. So back to the letter. You two were right. My husband was cheating on me. And Crystal, as you know, was cheating on her husband as well. But the person that my husband was cheating on me with was not Crystal. It was Crystal's sister. So here's how they claim it happened. Crystal started seeing one of her younger sister's friends and somehow enlisted my husband to help cover for her. In the process, my husband started messing around with Crystal's little sister. A mess. Yes, I know. Well, I'm back in my bedroom 
And my husband is currently living in an apartment as we go through counseling to determine if we're going to continue with this marriage or not. We seem to be making progress, but as you can imagine, I'm not in a hurry to jump back into things, especially given all of the stress and trauma that it's caused my daughter. Crystal is still seeing the young man that she was cheating with, and Brandon has filed for a divorce. Brandon and my husband are still close. As you know, men get over things fast. Needless to say, Crystal and I are no longer friends. I just can't trust someone who would help my husband cover up infidelity. I just want to say thank you for talking some sense into me, because without your advice, I might still be turning a blind eye to this awkwardness. I now know to watch my man around my friends and listen to my intuition. Thank you for the lesson. Love, Myla. Myla, you got to move on, honey. Listen, I, I forget how old your child is, how old your daughter is, but your child has seen probably the worst of you and the worst of this relationship. And so now what your child needs to see is strength from you. And that strength, regardless of if you stay with your husband or not, it's going to take you some time to heal. But that strength has to be visible to your daughter. If you're going to stay with your husband, you have to say, this is not going to happen again and set some clear boundaries and be firm. Don't be pussyfooting around, okay? You need to show some strength. If you're going to leave, leave. Don't sit and cry at night. Y'all been divorced. Y'all y'all are moving on. You cried already. Don't sit and cry. Put on your big girl drawers and you boss up and you go about your business like nothing has happened, okay? Set up some visitation grounds for your daughter and let her see that you're going to be good with or without your husband. But if you're going to stay, know that that is the example that you're showing your daughter, okay? Which is why you have to put some standards in place, okay? And show her, hey, listen, this is how grown people work through this but I'm not ever going to stand for this again. And you set some clear boundaries and you let her know, don't ever let a man disrespect you like this. Your father has repented and is remorseful and he knows that what he did was wrong. And you tell her why you forgave him and how hard he worked. But that has to be there. It can't be like, oh, daddy cheated and daddy's back acting like, you know, you ain't worth two cents still and not treating you like the woman you deserve to be treated. So- just make sure you're displaying strength to your daughter. Now, in terms of your friend, Crystal, oh yeah, she a hot mess. She don't need to be a friend. The fact that she knew that her little sister was fooling around with your husband is like a straight up hot mess. I want you to rid yourself from Crystal. I really honestly want you to rid yourself from your husband, but I'm not going to tell you to get a divorce, okay? People can work through things. I just want you to work through them and make sure you know who you are in the process and you don't lose yourself, okay? And you're not staying in that relationship for the for the wrong reasons. But Brandon Crystal, you gotta, you know, you gotta move past them. Move past them and move on because that situation's a hot mess. And you best believe if your husband cheated with Crystal's sister, if you don't set some boundaries real quick, and if you don't get a hold to you gonna have to prove to me uh where you been and what you've been doing so that I can regain trust slowly, he's going to cheat again, okay? Because men that get away with this kind of stuff and have no repercussions, they cheat again. For me, I will be out because I don't want to have to worry about what my man is doing, who he's talking to, who he's been with. I don't want that kind of drama. 
for me. I, I, I personally wouldn't. Unless he's like literally being very transparent, it's going to be hard for you to, um, to regain trust. But everybody's different when it comes to this. Marriage is hard and there's no real right or wrong way to handle uh, situations like this, especially with infidelity. There's no right or wrong way. You just have to trust your gut and really know, you know, what you want to do. And if he's remorseful and you still love him and you can't see your life without him, I can see you giving him another chance. But if he's not remorseful, uh uh-uh, you got to move on. If he, listen, he should be breaking his back to prove that you can trust him again. If if he's not doing that, I'm telling, I'm telling you, it's almost like I got called. He's sorry for a week. And then next week he wondered, well, why are you asking me where I'm at? What do you mean? Why? What do you mean? You just did X, Y, Z. You broke my trust. What do you mean? People do that. Like guys do that. Like they get mad. You forgive them. And you all of a sudden supposed to be like not asking questions. Like what? If he's doing that, you got, he got to go. You ain't, you ain't learned your lesson. You got to go. I agree with you, Nicole. I I'm not as diplomatic as you are. And I will say this. I don't know that I could forgive my husband for cheating, especially if it was that close to home. That's number one. And then you have a nerve to still be friends with the man who, I mean, I guess since I guess you all can be, I guess your husband and Brandon can be friends because technically he wasn't cheating with Brandon's wife, but his wife's sister. I mean, it's just all too messy for me. That's number one. But number two, I wish that you would have written us and told us how you found out that he was cheating. Like, you know, in your intuition, you you knew, right? Because that's why you wrote us the first time, because something just wasn't right in the pieces of the puzzle. Two and two was getting to six and not four. That's why you wrote us, right? So I just am curious as to why, how did he get caught? Did he come clean and say, hey, look, I know this seems real weird. I'm sorry I got into the situation. I love you. I want you back. Is that what happened? Because that would give me like remorseful, like you were saying, Nicole, right? But if he continued down this road and was lying and covering and it was just this sneaky business and finally you just uncovered some things and then it was just like, hey, here's the evidence you can't lie anymore. I'm with Nicole. I'm not telling anybody to divorce their husband because everybody has their different threshold of BS that they're willing to put up with from a man or their significant other, even if it's not a man, right? Everyone has their threshold of BS that they're willing to put up with. My my thought process is that's just too much for me. That's just Janine. I'm with you, Nicole. If it were me and my husband, I would have filed for a divorce, especially if I had a daughter. A man, I don't know. If I had a son, I might think differently of it. I just don't think that I'm in a position or headspace at this point in my life to overlook infidelity, especially when I'm the kind of person where if my husband came to me and said, hey, Janine, I'm no longer interested. I would like to explore these opportunities with said other people. I would be like, go head on. We're going to take a break and we will reconvene when we decide what it is we're going to do with this marriage. But lying to me and get getting caught cheating that's not acceptable. Have a conversation. Be man enough to have a conversation about your feelings and where you would like your your dangly parts to go. Don't tell me after you've already done it. Tell me beforehand. And if you can't control your dangly parts, you and, and I don't need to be in a relationship. That's just how this is going to go. Did she just, did she say dangly parts? I did. <laughs> That's hilarious. Dangly parts. Mm. It's true. <sighs> Y'all just, just know your worth. Just know your worth. And I was sitting there thinking while Janine was talking and Brandon has done nothing wrong. Okay. The friend Brandon has done nothing wrong. Girl, it almost, Milo, Brandon sounded like maybe he's a good guy. 
I'm just saying. I was thinking that too. Like, I'm just saying. Maybe we should go over that side. They can swap. Crystal and her sister can have your husband. Brandon sounds like look, Brandon was the one that started questioning things. And he stayed, remember, after Crystal said that she was cheating. If I remember correctly, and I I don't, I listened to it earlier because of the letter, but if I remember correctly, Brandon was the one that lit up the red flag that said, hey, what's going on here? Did your husband remember it was something to do with like a Christmas gift to drop off at the daughter, if I remember correctly? And Brandon was the one that was like, hey, what's what's the situation? And she had, Crystal had admitted to having an affair with someone that was at work. But we are the ones that said, like, no, it sounds like your husband might be sleeping with Crystal. So he stayed with the initial affair. Now, I guess when all of this started getting uncovered, he was like, look, I'm out of here. But Brandon, I'm with you, Nicole. Brandon might be the the, the move. Yeah, we're not saying, listen, Brandon might be the move. But sometimes you just got to wipe that whole slate clean. I mean, that that opens yeah. back up, you know, bro code and that friendship there. And yeah, just move on. It's okay. Just move on. All right, Janine. So what did you learn new this week? So I learned that according to a study from the University of Colorado Boulder's Department of Psychology and Neuroscience, 53.5% of people who report cheating, meaning they've reported to have an extramarital affair, specifically including sex, were unfaithful with someone that they knew very well or a close friend. So 53.5, meaning someone that they knew very well or a close friend. That does not include coworkers because there were some other categories. Doesn't include coworkers, basic acquaintances, people that they haven't heard from in a while or reconnected with. Didn't include any of that. They said someone who is a close friend. So ladies, it's usually someone right under your nose your significant other is cheating with. But... Infidelity, a very interesting part also is that infidelity still remains the number one reason that married and unmarried relationships end across the world. So not just in the United States, but all over the world, infidelity is the number one reason. What did you learn new this week, Nicole? So sort of close. As you're reading this, I'm like, hmm. So LA Detective Intelligence Agency also has a poll for cheaters. And women, we are guilty too. 43.7% of women that cheat, cheat with a family member of their husbands. Wait, what? 43.7% of women who cheat, cheat with a family member of their husbands. Now that's a whole different kind of grimy yeah, versus 22.2% of men. So men usually don't cheat with your family member. And they cheat mm. with your friend, but they won't cheat with your family member. Because men know that if it's crazy from this one, it's probably 10 times as crazy from the next one. Mm-hmm. But, but y'all, can we, not, can, can we not dip and dab within the family, though? It's plenty of people in this world that you will never meet. I'm sure you'll find someone else that's not related to the people that you already had sexual relations with. Just saying. All right, so the motivational moment for the week. You ready? Ready. So Judge Faith Jenkins, you know, she's a Louisiana homegirl, you know, uh, former Miss USA. Is it Miss USA, I believe? I know she was Miss Louisiana. I believe she's also Miss USA. She's now a judge. She has her own TV show. She's just doing this thing, doing it. She married Kenny Lattimore uh, a couple years back. Mm-hmm. So she said, trust is lost in buckets and gained in drops. I love that. But some situations, such as who you allow or not allow into your home, isn't about trust. It's about boundaries. 
Whoever you allow into your space, make sure to set clear boundaries and clear expectations so that another person won't be able to cause issues in your household or your relationship. Until we meet again, pray, work, slay, and show off your melanated excellence. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep, BWC. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.